eBay Motors is here for the ride. Remember when you first saw the potential? And then through some elbow grease, fresh installs, and a whole lot of love, you transformed 100,000 miles and a body full of rust into a drive that's all your own. Look to your left. Look to your right. It's official. No one's got a ride like this. There's nothing else that sounds like, feels like, or looks like the set of wheels in your garage. With over 122 million parts, you can make sure your number one ride or die stays running smoothly, so there's no limit to how far you can take it. Brake kits, turbochargers, engines, exhaust kits, roof racks, LED headlights, bumpers, whatever your baby needs, eBay Motors has it. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, it's guaranteed to fit your ride the first time, every time, or your money back. Plus at these prices, well, you're burning rubber, not cash. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. At Alma, we know the connection between you and your therapist matters. But if you're already feeling stressed and burnt out, the idea of trying to find a therapist you really connect with can be overwhelming. That's why Alma's focused on helping you find the right therapist for you. When you browse their online directory, you can filter by the qualities that are most important to you. Then book free 15-minute consultations with any therapist you're interested in seeing. And because 95% of therapists at Alma accept insurance, you can find care that's affordable to you want to talk to someone, but not just anyone. Alma is there to help you find the right fit. Visit HelloAlma.com slash Therapy30 to schedule a free consultation today. That's HelloAlma.com slash Therapy30. It's time. It's time. Time to get in the zone. Time to get in the zone. With the 49ers Web Zone. This is the No Huddle Podcast with Al, Zane, and Brian. Welcome to another episode, 49ers Web Zone, No Huddle Podcast, presented by Odyssey. Listen, subscribe, like, smash that subscribe button for us. I'm Al Sacco, along with Zane Nockby, and fresh off his Disney trip, Brian Rennick. Excited to be back. Not really excited at the offseason. I'll tell you what, you guys, this Super Bowl, I tried. It was a good game. I was excited for the game, and I got up Sunday, and I was fucking miserable miserable i was like <laughs> as miserable as i've been i'm trying to think what loss because I, I i had been thinking all right which loss really bothered me the most because there's been so many of them since 2011 and 2011 always sticks out to me because i never thought that team nobody thought they were going to be good and that team just was you know alex smith redemption story frank gore patrick wills it was just like this awesome team and then you had what happened and that was really tough and a lot of people have said well this year wasn't as tough because they couldn't compete. To me, this year is probably more painful than the rest because they couldn't compete. And for me, man, I am just absolutely just, it, it was tough. It was a tough day. It was, I enjoyed the game. It was a really good game, but for me, it was a tough day. So I don't know how you guys felt. I mean, I had a, I had a great day. I watched exactly, I, I want to say I watched exactly zero seconds of the Super Bowl. But I would be lying. Um, I did watch the very end to watch the Eagles lose, which I absolutely delighted in while I was in line for cars at Disneyland, um, which is why I didn't watch a second of the Super Bowl. Uh, My daughter's 10th birthday was Monday. And so we had planned this Disney trip months ago. And so the we I was genuinely excited to experience like watching a Super Bowl in a, in a different place, right? Like a Disneyland or whatever. And so that was one of the most disappointing parts for me is that I felt like not only did we as fans get robbed of the 
you know, the 49ers at least competing in the NFC championship game. But I personally got robbed of being able to watch my 49ers in the Super Bowl in, in Disneyland, downtown Disney, wherever we were going to go. Um, <clears throat> but the, the cool thing for me, uh, so, so Sunday was great for me. Like I had no thoughts about football. I had no thoughts about anything. It was just, I was, you know, we were at California adventure. I was riding cars. I was riding gardens of the galaxy. I was having a great old time Monday, Monday, my daughter's birthday. Uh, Patrick Mahomes showed up at Disneyland and I got a photo of him. I was like 20 feet away from Patrick Mahomes in this little uh, old style car that he was in. And so I was like, man, I'm like 20 feet away from like legitimate greatness. And I thought that was pretty cool. That so, is cool. Really cool. you know, and, and honestly, and I know Zane, Zane uh, participated in, in the same elation that I did. I'm just glad the Eagles lost like for that yes. fan base, yep. for that fan base mm -hmm. specifically, like, a Super Bowl loss couldn't happen to a more deserving fan base because Eagles fans are trash. And I hope they hear this and I hope they come for me because there's so much evidence out there. And so the fact that they a lost and B their, their defense, which, you know, shut down the 49ers, right. Uh, absolutely got their ass handed to them in the second half. And I loved it. And now that same defensive coordinator, Jonathan Gannon, head coach of the Arizona Cardinals. He's in the division now. So, hey, things are looking up for 49er fans. I love it. Yeah, I think that for me, the overarching thing that I, I came away from that game with was that Patrick Mahomes is unequivocally the best quarterback in the NFL today. Was there any yeah. doubt when yeah. – when the Eagles went down and they were up 24-21 and they kicked a field goal instead of scoring a touchdown, I said at that point it's over. I'm like, it's over at that point. Because you knew Mahomes was going to go down and score a touchdown to respond. When he's only when he when he can score a touchdown and take the lead, that's that's the most dangerous part. And as this was unfolding, and as I saw them scoring points and starting to pull away from the Eagles, I was like, Man, I know how this feels. That's exactly what happened to the Niners, right? In the second half. Mm -hmm. It is it is matching the the second largest blown second half lead to the with the 49ers and Seattle as well in the history of the Super Bowl. Man, that, and despite the yeah, fact that's, that 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 Philly uh I'm sorry, sorry for bringing that up, but despite the fact that Philly tied it at the end, I knew that the the, the Chiefs were going to win that. Like whenever Mahomes when he got the ball, I was like, okay, not only is he going to score here, He's not going to leave any time for him for the for the Eagles on the clock, and that's exactly what happened. Is that they went down there, like just just a methodical drive, and look, it was a penalty. It was a penalty. Like you don't want that being called. I mean, you you can't not call that. Like Bradbury also deep, shout out to Debo for being right about Bradbury, but Bradbury <laughs> grabbed a fistful of jersey and tugged on Juju Smith-Schuster's jersey. You can see it. And the camera angle that they showed on TV did not show that. And Greg Olson was all up in arms and stuff. It's like, but the hold happened before that. I, I, I thought it showed it in a hold and not pass interference. But regardless, the flag was correct. You can't do that. He had a fistful of jersey, pulled Juju's jersey. You could see it clearly on the replay. And the Eagles fans are crying about the refereeing. And there's all these people crying about the refereeing, the officiating. It was the correct call. And not only that, the Chiefs kick a field goal. And there's no guarantee that Mahomes doesn't win anyways in overtime. So I think that... I, I, I like that that caption for those of you that are watching along here, Brian, the, the captain of the Brock Party hype train. 
But I think that like the Eagles fans, look, I've met one reasonable Eagles fan over this past month. Okay. <laughs> one. I had a guy that, that I, funny story, like one of my former college teammates, um, he was an Eagles fan. And when they lost, I was like, I was like, you know, happy and stuff. He got pissed off at me and they just like unfollowed me on Twitter. <laughs> I'm like, I'm like, bro, awesome. like, <laughs> dude, dude, I've literally known this guy for like 15 years and we've been cool. And he's like, nah, I don't want to talk to him. I'm like, man, come on, bro. You talked all this junk, not him, but like the Eagles fans talked all this junk in the weeks leading up to the Super Bowl and the week leading up to the championship game. Okay. And you lost. You didn't seal the deal. So, yeah, we're going to laugh at you. Yeah, we're going to make fun of you. Man, uh, they got their listen, card. I, I, I got it, Zane. I just disagree with so many things that you've said here. And, and, and I got to, this might be like an Al Sacco rant. I want to get into the officiating. I have a really hard time, and I'm going to explain to everybody why, subscribing to victory laps over another team that lost. I have a really hard time with that. Am I glad they I lost? Yep. I, asked, la, 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 no, I don't listening. care. I was, I I was care. actually pulling for the Chiefs because I'm, I'm, I'm pissed too, but here's, here's where I am with it, and, and I, and I got I to go on a little bit of a rant here because, listen, I grew up, you know, I was old enough to remember the Montana, the late Montana stuff, 88, 89. I was in grade school, but I know what was going on. Um, in the nineties, I'm a big Yankees fan. Everybody knows that I hold my two ride or die teams are the Yankees and the 49ers. And I hold them to a high standard, a very high standard. And I will take a victory lap when they win. I refuse to take a victory lap when another team loses. And, and this is where I, where, where, where I am with this. So I mentioned how hard this was for me this year, because this team did not get a chance to compete. I'm a big you do or you don't guy. That's just how I am. So if we go back, well, let's go back to the Harbaugh years, okay? As heartbreaking as they were, 2011, I love that team. We talked about it. They had their backup punt returner in. They fumble. Well, he kicked one ball. I don't know what the hell he was doing. And he fumbled the other one. You don't. They didn't get it done. They didn't really score on offense that year. Didn't get it done. 2012 in the Super Bowl, they didn't come out prepared. They had an illegal formation on the first play of the game. They got, what were they down by four scores at one point? And then they come back and it's one of the worst goal to go play sequences that I can remember with fade, fade, fade. Don't give Frank Gore the ball. And you don't, and you don't win. 2013, when you turn the ball over three times late in the second half on the road, especially you don't, you do or you don't, you don't there. Fast forward to 2019. I thought they had the Super Bowl in their grasp. And yes, there were breakdowns on the Tyreek Hill catch um there in the back end of the defense but we just saw two quarterbacks raise their game in the super bowl we saw that both of them neither one of them need to hold their heads ever down ever again they can both hold their heads up high jalen hurts too and for the 49ers the quarterback played small you don't you go two for ten in the in the in the fourth quarter you don't you don't win 2021 Again, they couldn't score against the Rams team that they beat, what, 10 times in a row now, eight times in a row in the, in, in the regular season. They drop an interception and you don't. They haven't done it. They haven't done it. So you fast forward to this year and yeah, it's heartbreaking to me because I thought they had a really good chance to do it this year and we'll never know. They didn't have a chance to do or don't because Purdy got hurt. And I don't blame the players for being salty when asked about it what are they going to say like oh yeah good for them i'd be pissed too our quarterback got hurt in the first series it wasn't a game it wasn't a game but i can't for me and other people can i don't give a shit people take your happiness where you can get it but for me i cannot take a victory lap and say well the eagles blew that game how many 
how many games did the, did the Niners blow in the last decade? Right. And it pains me to say that, but they've written the book, the book on it. So if this was like a game where like, you know what, the Niners, they'd won a Super Bowl and, and this, that, and the other thing, then I, I cannot take a victory lap. I will take a victory lap when they're hosting the Lombardi. That's just, that's the standard I hold this team to. I grew up with Eddie D who would have lost his mind, not necessarily this year because there's nothing that would have happened, but 2019, 2021, Eddie D would have lost his mind. That's not good enough for him. And I'm sorry, a lot of people maybe that are younger than me, they're like, this is great. They're we're better than a lot of teams. That's true. That's not the standard that I hold the 49ers to growing up. And I'm not saying they should have won six championships. I don't think that. But should they have gotten one or two? Yeah, they should have. So I'm not going to sit here and be like, oh, yeah, <laughs> the, Eagles, the Eagles lost 38 to 35. They're, that was a great game. They have, I mean, the defense sucked. But so there is some which, is mean, which means it's not an Al Sacco game. You love defense. You love defense. So that's that's not a game that you're interested in. You want you want a defensive slugfest. I respect wanting to dunk on the Eagles because yeah, there was a lot of there's been a lot of shit talking, and that that's part of it. I get it. But for me personally, I cannot subscribe to that. I cannot subscribe to like my team won because this team lost. It's just not me. My team wins, and my team wins, and I hold the 49ers to winning a championship, not doing a victory lap because a team that beat them in, a, in an unfortunate fashion lost I, I can't do i personally can't do it hey brian yeah, you want to go on, I, you want to go you want to go on a victory lap together let's do it well and that's the thing is is i think there's a difference between going on a victory lap and uh essentially reveling in a fan base's despair because they are classic. i think that's where i am that's and I am. that's what it yeah. is so it's again uh, yeah i don't think this does anything for the 49ers i don't think like this eagles loss all of a sudden makes this 49ers team look better or anything like that. The 49ers lost the game. They didn't make it to the Super Bowl. And that sucks. And and mm-hmm. once again, right there, right at the cusp and 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 couldn't pull pull through. I think the interesting thing that I at least took from this game. Again, I didn't watch it, but obviously I've I've done enough, you know, I've I've read about it, all of it. I think it really goes to show that that in this modern NFL, as much as I love how kick-ass the 49ers defense is, I love all of that, right? The, the Eagles defense was incredible. It doesn't matter how good your defense is. Mm-hmm. Your defense is going to get got. It's going yep. to get yep. got. Yep. And so mm-hmm. your offense has to be able to carry the load when your defense does get got. And that is what it felt like this 49ers team has coalesced into when Brock Purdy took over. There was never a time where I thought, hey, this offense isn't going to be able to keep up if this defense falters. And you look at the the game against the Raiders, right? Perfect example. They did not come ready to play. The Raiders absolutely ran all over the field and put Mm -hmm. up points on this defense, but the 49ers offense kept pace. Selling a little or a lot. 
Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage, to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is here to help you grow, whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits. Shopify helps you sell everywhere, from their all-in-one e-commerce platform to their in-person POS system. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify has got you covered. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 15% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. And sell more with less effort thanks to Shopify Magic, your AI-powered all-star. Shopify powers 10% of all e-commerce in the U.S. And Shopify is the global force behind Allbirds, Rothy's, and Brooklinen, and millions of other entrepreneurs of every size across 175 countries. Plus, Shopify's award-winning 24-7 help is there to support your success every step of the way. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash odyssey podcast all lowercase go to shopify.com slash odyssey podcast now to grow your business no matter what stage you're in shopify.com slash odyssey podcast okay picture this it's friday afternoon when a thought hits you i can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever or i can hop into my all-new hyundai santa fe and hit the road with available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. To me, it really it really becomes, can the 49ers, or, or what will it take for the 49ers in 2023 to get back to the NFC Championship game? or to win the NFC championship game or to win the Super Bowl. And I think as as much as as much as I would love for uh my squad to be the fiercest defense in the NFL, I think it's far more important for this offense to get back to where it was prior to that NFC championship game where Purdy gets hurt, even arguably prior to that Dallas game where they didn't really have a great game. Dallas's defense is really good. They did enough to win. And that was great because our defense did what it needed to do. But I think that's the biggest thing for me. And I think you look at the chiefs and you look at the way they build their team and, and, and they build their defense, their defense isn't anything to write home about at any point in any season. Mm-hmm. And it never has been, but what they are is opportunistic. And what Steve Spagnolo is, is a guy who will get that one stop that you need in order for Patrick Mahomes to take over and and win the game for you. And so uh, my my concern and the other thing that I took away from the Super Bowl is the 49ers need to get better on the offensive line and 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 Brock Purdy or Trey Lance have to be the man. They have to they absolutely have to. This team is not getting back to the NFC Championship game. This game is not this team is not winning a Super Bowl if Brock Purdy or Trey Lance isn't a guy. And and one of them has to be. And that's obviously we we won't know, but one of them has to be. Mm-hmm. And so that's to me that's the biggest thing to look for as we move into 2023. Yeah, I think that when it comes to uh what we hope to see from them and what they need to do. 
I, I, I go back to this thought and it's, I don't know if it's rooted in any actual evidence. It's just something that I feel because we're sharing feelings today, right? I got my, I got my Yerba mate here that I'm having, you know, we should be, this is really great stuff, by the way, Al, you don't get on the East coast. This is like an energy. It's, it's like blurred out. It's like one of those music videos from the nineties, right? It's, um, <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, uh, an iced tea, but it's kind of like an energy drink iced tea. And it's fantastic. Is there alcohol um, in it? There is no alcohol in this. Al's not interested. I don't care then. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure you can. I'm sure you can Irish this up a little bit and make it good. But um, if it's water and booze, it's all I drink. <laughs> just throw, just throw some, throw some whiskey in the brand. You're good. But um, you go. we're sharing feelings here on the, on the No Huddle podcast. But what I feel is that the league cares only about offense after a certain point. In the Super Bowl, <laughs> they don't want defense to be played. So if you have a def- if you're a defensive team in the Super Bowl. There is no place for you. If you somehow make it there, the last thing the league wants is a repeat of that Rams and Patriots. The, the Rams and Patriots. Super that was Bowl a was nightmare the, for the league. Absolute nightmare. And it was it, it was a boring game. It was not well played. It was a defensive stroke. Defensively, it was a great game, right? The, both defenses played really well. But nobody cared about that game. And, and it's almost like an afterthought, which is kind of crazy to say about a Tom Brady, Tom Brady Super Bowl. But it's certainly not up there in the greatest games. I feel like this this got marred by the officials a little bit, but because of the offensive output of both teams, they'll look at this and be like, wow, this was a really great game. And that's the barometer which with which they're judged by. So if you get to the playoffs and specifically the Super Bowl, you better pack an offense with you. And they didn't last time the last time they got there and they got burned. And the time before that with Harbaugh, they were a defensive team. Although Kaepernick was putting up good numbers, they were largely a defensive team. And we can agree on that. Yep. They were defensive and, and run the ball team. The NFL doesn't want to see that. They don't want their Super Bowl champion to be boring, quote unquote. They want them to be a high-flying team with an elite quarterback. And I just wonder how different it would be and how different the league would treat the 49ers if they had an elite quarterback, like like a Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen or somebody like that, uh, Joe Burrow that was leading their team. And that's not to say that they would they would for sure get favoritism or anything like that. I'm not. I'm not. I'm, this is not tinfoil hat theory. This is just my own thought that sure. like. When you get into that, it's it's officiated differently. You have a, a different game plan because you're out. You're practicing outside of your own home. the The week is different with all the media. Like to be able to overcome that with an elite quarterback and an, an elite offense is huge, right? Because there's a reason why teams don't come prepared to play the Super Bowl, right? For as odd as it sounds, because the week is weird. It's not, or the two weeks is weird, right? It's not a normal schedule. You know the gravity of the game when you have a really good offense and a really good quarterback to settle you down. Like, look, the chiefs were down by 10 points at no point did they probably think they were out of it. They probably were just like, okay, not, not a big deal. We can come back mm-hmm. from this because of who they have a quarterback. So is, is Trey or, or Brock going to be that guy? I mean, we don't, we don't know yet. We talked about it last time, but that is essentially what you need to have a prolonged amount of success in this league is, is an elite quarterback and health at that position. And right now, I think the biggest thing that they need next year is health. They need to be able to get 17 games out of their starting quarterback, whoever it is. And that may not even be the case because we don't know if Brock is going to start the season on IR, if he's actually going to play, right? But if he does start the season, he needs to finish the season as well, hopefully with the Super Bowl trophy in his hand. Yeah, and Brian, you mentioned the the points thing, and and that's the big thing that the Niners – 
haven't done. They haven't been able to score the points. You're not going to beat the Chiefs scoring 20 points like they did in 2019. I don't care how good your defense is because Mahomes is, is that good. And he didn't play a great game, but when he had to turn it up at the end, he was able to do that. And you have to you, you have to score more than 20 points. And the same thing again last year. They only scored 17. So with Brock being in there this year, they were putting up 30. 35 they put in big numbers and then can they win a slug fest well yeah they did that too against dallas so that is the frustrating part but i think there's become this i don't know people maybe think like oh because the niners are loaded they got a great roster and well yeah they're going to be back there it takes a lot to get back there that's what worries me eventually law of averages something's gonna happen in a game a bad bounce something fluky I don't think anybody thought after 2013 they were going to fall off a cliff. I don't think anybody thought that. I don't know that we thought they'd be as good as they were in the previous years, but I thought they were a perennial playoff team still for sure. And then everything went to hell at the end of that year. And then Harbaugh left and you know the rest is history. But we don't know what's going to happen next year. We don't know what guys get hurt. You don't know who's, although injuries can't be worse than they have been you don't know what guys are going to leave. So just to say that they're going to be back there just because they're going to be back there. That's it's hard. You got to finish when you get there. And, and this year they had bad luck. And in the previous years, we t- we talked about it before, but eventually they, they have to seal the deal with one of these, or we could be looking at a situation where, yeah, Kyle Shanahan gets a couple Super Bowls in year 20 with his next team, <laughs> you know, because he's going to be a coach in this league. For a long <laughs> this, time Andy Reed, or this, this generation's Andy Reid. Yeah. yeah. There's a lot of, That's... there's a lot of parallels right now. There's a lot of mm-hmm. parallels and, and they're, if they stay healthy, they're going to be a very good team again next year. But again, they have to get the bounces. They were lucky as shit to get there in 2021. Oh, you, for know, sure. they, you know, I don't yeah. think that uh, there were a lot of, a lot of things bounced their way. And this year, I just thought they were mm-hmm. towards the end. They were just really good. Yeah. Yeah. The, the, the one thing I think the one thing that does bode well for the 49ers, you know, we, in our last episode, we went through, how many franchise quarterbacks are there in the NFL? And and I know I texted you guys again. I didn't watch the game, but I did, you know, keep up with it on my phone. I did see, you know, just stat, you know, stat sheet scouting, if you will. Um, I did see the kind of game that Jalen Hurts had, and I texted, <laughs> I texted you guys. I was like, we may have to reconsider our position He's on Jalen Hurts because yeah, he that was, was amazing. That was Jalen Hurts coming out party. That was that was Jalen Hurts announcing himself to the rest of the league, saying. I'm I'm here to stay because you can't have a performance like that in the Super Bowl and then fall off the next year to yeah. to you know whatever. Like he's he is he is at the very 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 least ascending to superstardom if he hasn't isn't there already. Yeah. But then you look across the rest of the NFC and you go, who else is a franchise quarterback? And if I'm not mistaken, when we went through the NFC outside of Aaron Rodgers, who may not be in the NFC come uh the start of the 2023 season did did we name one yeah nobody i don't no. think we did right and so that's so that's that's where we're at right that's that's where we're at as a as a as a preview of can they get back who's in their way right and obviously every season is different and every team is going to change free agency hasn't happened there are mm-hmm. going to be teams that get new quarterbacks the panthers have a new coach they're going to have a new quarterback the uh, Bucks are going to have a new quarterback. The Saints might have a new quarterback. Um, you know, th- the list goes on. Um, Matthew Stafford might have a bounce back year. Like things, th- mm-hmm. the the NFL is so volatile year to year to year. Things change so quickly and so drastically. Yeah. I mean, damn, look at the Eagles, right? They were in the Super Bowl and won it 
They were in the mm-hmm. Super Bowl and won it five years ago. Mm-hmm. And then they made it back to the Super Bowl five years later with a completely different coach and quarterback. Like, that's insane. Yeah. That's crazy, yeah. right? That doesn't happen in any other sport besides the mm-hmm. besides football. So, you know, things obviously can change. And the 49ers can change. You know, there are levers to pull, contract levers to pull, to, to gain quite a bit of cap space for this team. And uh, Jack Hammer was the one who tweeted out if if they if the 49ers restructured the top five their their top five highest paid players which would be Trent Williams George Kittle um, Fred Warner Eric Armstead and Christian McCaffrey those mm-hmm. are the the um, those are the five highest paid players uh, on the 49ers currently if they restructured those deals they would get almost uh, with the cap space that they have now I think it's close to 63 million dollars in cap space. Now, what does that mean? Well, that means restructuring Trent Williams, who is old and has already said the R word, right? Retirement. Mm-hmm. Um, it means it means restructuring George Kittle, who, let's face it, is a bit of an injury liability. It means restructuring Eric Armstead, right? And you're you're now paying, you're now adding years onto his deal or whatever the case may be. So there are lots of people. So I tweeted out just like a little bit of a you know, like uh, too long didn't read for Jack's article about how much the 49ers could have. And tons of people are like, well, they're not going to restructure Trent. They already restructured uh, Kittle uh, last year. They already restructured Armstead last year. They're not going to do it. And, and, and they're probably right. Like, I'm not saying that this will happen, but also I don't, I'm not willing to underestimate the frustration of Kyle Shanahan. That dude is, is frustrated. He is frustrated at how these seasons have ended how close he has come how mm-hmm. hard he has worked to only have his seasons fall apart at the end because of injuries because of quarterback play whatever the case may be so do not underestimate Kyle Shanahan's frustration when it comes to roster building this offseason is he going to be like listen let's do the, let's restructure these deals and let's bring some dudes in and just make it like no question, we are the best offense or the best roster in the NFL, right? Are they going to make a big swing for a Jawan Taylor? Let Mike McGlinchey go. Can they? Or are they going to make a big swing for an edge rusher opposite Nick Bosa? Are they going to make a big swing for a safety? Are they going to make a big? You know, and there are there are big swings to be made at those positions. And so, right now, as it stands, the NFC is wide open because the Eagles have even more pending free agents than the 49ers do. And there's some of them are likely not going to be back. One, I think being Jason Kelsey, I think he may retire. Um, So they've got big names. They've got big names that are, that are, that are coming up to free agency as well, just like the 49ers do. So that is to me. Yeah, exactly. Um, And so that to me is where, you know, when we ask the question, what will it take for the 2023 49ers to get back to the NFC championship game? it would take the NFC not not taking a step forward with with roster building and with and with quarterbacks and it there i mean there also aren't any quarterbacks available that i think are going to make some squad in the NFC all of a sudden you know the top right there just aren't not right now and so that to me if i'm Kyle Shanahan i look at it and go this is my time like screw 4 years down the road like I know that that is irresponsible team management and team building, 
but I'm tired of being Cinderella. I'm tired of it. I'm tired of being second mm-hmm. place. I'm tired of yeah. being first loser. Like I want to hoist that Lombardi next year. What do we need to do to do it? And I think I, I, I would not underestimate that, that the power of, of what that could be for him. So two things here. Number one, um, uh, uh, this guy's a, a writer, a journalist from, from Boston, James Stewart, not the football player, not Jimmy Stewart. Jimmy Stewart. <laughs> James Stewart from, from Boston. <laughs> he's, a, he's a writer. Just mentioned that um, the Patriots may be, quote, unquote, sniffing around Debo this offseason. And um, that's something that, you know, is one of those ideas where you can create a little bit of uh, capital for yourself in, in the draft or by not having to uh, continue to pay Debo and, and take the dead cap hit if you if you let go of him. I'm not saying trade him at all because I think he's an integral part to this offense when he's healthy. And you have to have him, and I think that he complements everybody so well uh, and with the skill set. And I think that Purdy will will just be able to excel even more with the, with the more weapons that he has around him. But that's one thing that they could do to get draft picks or or a little bit of relief here. Um, the cap is going up as well, right? So we know that they'll have because of all the COVID adjustments and stuff like that threw everything out of whack a couple of years ago. But every year the Niners make a, a big ish move in the off season. and last year it was Mooney Ward. They they signed him and, and that was that was one of the best signings in the entire NFL this this past year. He was nails. He was unbelievable and, and criminally underrated in terms of, of getting recognition around the league because he just never gives up anything when nobody ever throws at him. So that was that was the one big signing for last year. So I expect them to do something similar to pick up a player who's maybe, you know, underrated or underappreciated on this current team, plug him into say right tackle or at you know, like we, we talk about maybe if they want to upgrade from Brent, although Jake Brendel's done a fantastic job, right? Just throwing this out there. But if they want to upgrade edge rusher uh, opposite Bosa, just picking up an underrated player, unheralded, unheralded player, plugging him in there and letting the scheme do the work. Remember, they'll have a new defensive coordinator this year. Steve Wilkes is a fantastic coach. I, I love that hire. And I think that the more that you add there uh, in terms of, of capital and in terms of talent, he'll be able to maximize that. We, you know, Aziz Alshire may be leaving, so that's a spot that they may have to replace on defense as well. There's spots on the defensive line they need they need depth at. McGlinchey is another one. And the biggest thing is, is their weapons on offense are largely intact, which is huge. Trent Williams is coming back. So really, this team doesn't need a lot. They need health is what they need. I, and I will stick to that. They need maybe one or two more guys to fill in specific roles but they need health overall. And also to I think resigning to Sean Gibson is huge. I think they need to do that as well. Yeah. Uh, I'm looking at this Debo thing. Sorry. It, yeah. yeah. They can sit around them all they want to. I don't, I don't know that the Niners are going to make that trade. Yeah. And, and the real reasons I say it is we'll, we'll talk about this more next show, but the Debo thing, but Brian, you said it. I think where they have to be mentally is we have maybe like two years left in this window. That's, yeah. that's what they have to think. And mm-hmm. we need to go all in that. That's what they have yeah. to do. And you hope, you hope at the end of this window that whether it's Trey or Brock, that they're good enough at that point where we have a quarterback we can build around as opposed to sure. sort of, I don't want to say a quarterbackless team, but where you're right. building on a QB with a rookie contract, essentially. So right. you're building on a team, I should say with a rookie contract. So they need to go all in. I agree. Re, re, do whatever with whatever deals you have to do and load your team up. You're talking about bringing, maybe bringing Brendel back. Um, let's put McKivitz in at right tackle. 
No, load up, no. man. Load yeah. up. Go get a good safety. Get another edge rusher. Yeah. Like, I, I agree. I think you have to load up. Look at, I mean, it didn't work out for a lot of the teams, obviously, but the things the Bills did, the things the Chargers did, even the Chiefs to an extent, like, yeah, you load up. You, you keep getting, you keep reloading guys. Your Chiefs lost, lost Tyreek Hill, and they may have not gotten a Tyreek Hill back, but you could Juju and Valdez Scanling, and they got a lot they of got better. They go, they got better Yeah, exactly. Them. Now you have all these different weapons. They reloaded without, just because you don't have a Devontae Adams doesn't mean you don't, you don't have a good receiving core. So yeah. I agree with that, Brian. I think the Niners got to go into it this offseason and really say we have we have two years. This way we have to look at it. Because in two years, you probably don't have Trent Williams. You probably don't have Kittle. Fred mm-hmm. Warner's getting older. Debo's towards the end of his contract. Are you going to resign Ayuk at that point? There's just a lot of things that are going to happen. And Armstead probably won't be on the team. You have two seasons with this window, with this core to get it done. Get your ass out there this offseason and next offseason and, and go all in for it. If it doesn't happen, it doesn't happen. But you have to go all in these next two years. I would say don't let it not happen for lack of trying, right? For yeah, lack of right. fear of what the future will hold, right? Like this is not a future business. This is a now business. This is mm-hmm. a, what have you done for me lately business in, in, in so many different aspects, including players, including coaches, including fan bases. Like it is, it is a, uh, the NFL is a fickle mistress, if you will. And, uh, and, and you gotta, you gotta do what you can. And uh, Zane, I just wanted to touch on Debo Debo's cap hit next year for the four is actually only $8.6 million. Uh, if they were to trade him, that's a twenty-eight million dollar dead cap hit. Yeah, this um, guy. I don't know so, where I got this from. Yeah, and so yeah. next year, or so in twenty twenty-four, Debo's cap hit jumps from eight point six million to twenty-eight point five million. He's he's dead. dead he's not going anywhere. Yeah, he's not going so anywhere. you know, there's no, there's 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 really there's there's no yeah there's no getting out of that Debo contract. I'm it's 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 pretty. Um, and you know, unless you're blown away by some kind of offer, which I hard pressed to think they would be. Um, but, uh, but yeah, so it, it, it's just a matter of, like I said, don't, I, I feel like I, I have full faith in this, in this front office. There's, they haven't really, there's, there hasn't been anything where I've been like, man, like I can't really trust what they say, what they do, whatever you gotta, you gotta, you gotta load up. You have to load mm-hmm. up. This is your window, not just because your players are aging. This is your window because the NFC largely is dog shit and mm-hmm. just run rough, rough shot over it for two years and, and try and get to the Super Bowl and, and see if you can't beat Mahomes because that's probably who's going to be there, right? The chiefs mm-hmm. have been the last five AFC championship games and have won two of the last four Super Bowls. They are who you load up to beat. Not mm. anyone in the NFC, not any, you load up to beat the Chiefs. Do it. Make the moves. Make it happen. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. 
For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. So I got to ask you guys, as we kind of wind down here, it's a two-year window. And I think we can all agree on that. I think I think that's very fair. It's a two-year window, both with age and contracts expiring. And really, you need to know what you have at quarterback before you have to reset. If Kyle doesn't get it done in two years, that's essentially entering year nine, right? Am I right? Yeah, year nine. So almost a decade here, and he hasn't won a Super Bowl. Are we starting to hear whispers at that point? Because how how my question to you guys is how patient are you guys to see this through i'm still good right because i understand that a lot of stuff happened that uh, that is out of his control and he had a super bowl roster this year that was totally derailed by stupid injuries that were freak injuries but that being said at some point it just it just stops being an excuse and and it's just like show me show me the money right what is that point for you guys is it 10 years 12 years 15 years like at what point would you guys lose patience I can't answer that until I see the next two years. You got to see what, what happens. Um, if, if they fall apart in the next couple of years, maybe I would lose patience, but it's, I, I just, I can't, I thought he took a big step this year. I thought he, he did a tremendous job coaching this year. And then his mm-hmm. quarterback got hurt in the championship. I just, I'd have to see how the next two years play out before I could really give like a serious answer to that person personally. Yeah. And I think for me, um, like, back-to-back seasons or multiple seasons of non-competitiveness, right? Meaning like either a not making the playoffs or, you know, B like first round exits. Then I'm like, "Eh, okay. Like I'm, I'm, I have lost patience, but that's, that is the other thing, you know, it's, it's diff. Do you want to be a fan of a team that like wins a super bowl and then for the next five to 10 years is garbage? Or do you want to be a fan of a team that, has lost a couple Super Bowls, has made it to a handful of, uh, you know, conference championship games and, you know, won a couple, lost a couple, right? Like for me, it's all about, does my team have a shot year in and year out? And I think Kyle Shanahan 100% gives this team that shot year in and year out. I have full faith that with Kyle Shanahan as head coach, the 49ers will be a playoff contender every single season. And so if that stops being the case, then yeah, I'm out, but I don't foresee that happening. And, you know, like we said before, if, if, if for whatever reason, you know, Jed York had some kind of out of body experience and fired Kyle Shanahan, he would be hired the same day. You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. there would be Mm -hmm. 20 other teams that are like, okay, I'm going to fire our guy so that I can hire that guy. Right. Right. So, and probably more than 20, you know, I think Kyle Shanahan is a top five coach in the NFL. So 27 other teams that, you know, would probably fire their guy. So yeah, it's going to take a lot of losing for me to, to lose patience, not just playoff losses, but like regular season losses, which don't, you know, which do not allow the team to be competitive or to compete for a title that, that to me, that's the only thing. Otherwise, Kyle, this is this is your team until you either a decide not to coach anymore or b you just start losing consistently, and I don't see that happening. 
I'm kind of at that same point too, where I was just like three championship games in four years. That's, that's really hard to do for, for anybody. And I yeah. think that he's built up that credibility and specifically the work that he did with Brock later on the season. I just, I just want to see him have a healthy quarterback for the full year and have this offense mostly healthy because they're not all going to be healthy, mostly healthy for a full year to be able to see what they can do. I want them to, for the next two seasons, to be able to give their best shot, go all in. I'm with you guys. Go all in. Do what you need to do to get to the top of the mountain because these chances are few and far between. And then, you know, after after two years, then if he hasn't done it, then we can re, they can reevaluate the, what those two, two years have looked like. But, you know, I, I fully expect them to be a playoff team next year. Why not? Why not? They should be, they, they should be a perennial playoff team. And that's what they've been. Uh, 2020 was an injury marred season. Like that was a, that was a, a COVID season. They mm. weren't playing in their own stadium. It was Jimmy kept getting hurt and it was just, it was just not a good accurate judge, but you removed that season. 2019 was fantastic. 2021 ended up being fantastic at the end, that run that they went on. 2022 was fantastic. Like he's put together three really solid seasons and I kind of throw 2020 out the window because those circumstances were like, as people say, unprecedented times. So you can't you can't move off of him. You're not going to move off of him. And he, in my opinion, should have carte blanche to do what he wants to do to be able to get to the get to the promised land. If I'm Jed York, I'd be like, all right, cool. Here's a blank check. You tell me the price, and I will get you what you want. So, real quick, guys, before we get out of here, I do I do want to mention about the officiating in in the game because Zania, you you said you agreed with the call. It was very split. It seemed like to me in terms of what people thought in terms of whether they should call it or not. Here, here's where I am on that. Let me start by going back to 2019. Do you guys remember the play at the end of the half of the Super Bowl when George Kittle got called for pushing off or putting his arm out or whatever it was? Did he extend his arms? Yup. Had they called anything in the rest of the game? No. So that call bothered me because if you're not going to call anything, then don't call anything. Then let things go. Unless it's you drag somebody down or it's something or, or something that there's it's not subjective like a false start. Well, unless you're Lane Johnson or an offside oh or something God. like that. Like if you're, if you're going to do any, anything, if you're not going to call anything other than those things, then don't call it. It's just that simple. And that's where I was in the Super Bowl. When it first happened, I couldn't see the angle either that you showed after where he was tugging, but I, I was furious. Oh my God, how, how, how can this happen? And then you saw the play and did he tug his Jersey? Yup. Was it a penalty? Yeah. Do I think they should have called it? No. And I don't think so because they, you didn't call it the entire game. And there was tugging the entire game and there was stuff going on the entire game. So for me, if just be consistent, that's all I want you to do is be consistent. And on a play like that, that literally decided the game. So you don't want to say, well, Al, you're just not going to call a penalty because you, you want to see that the Eagles come back and get a chance. No, I'm not saying that if it's an obvious thing and it's an obvious pass interference or something like that, but they didn't to me, they didn't call it the whole game. So if you're going to let tugging and pulling go on the whole game, let it go there. And I didn't, maybe I'm wrong, but it doesn't matter if it's a catchable ball in terms of the penalty, because on a hold, it doesn't matter if it's catchable or not, Right. but it wasn't like, unless Mahomes saw it and he might've and just threw it that way because he saw the hold, but it didn't look like the hold impeded him from, Oh my God, he would have caught that. And there would have been a touchdown if, if he didn't do that little tug. I don't think that was the case. So that bothered me in that sense. And the bigger issue to me is if this was this isn't an isolated incident where we say like you know what that was a tough the officials saw it they do a good job the officials in this league are a shit show and i think that's part of the problem is that this is just another thing to put on top of there where people are frustrated anyway and then this happens and you got goodell saying oh i think the officiating's been great it hasn't it's shit and it's very hard to be an official in the nfl i get it 
but they're not consistent. They call questionable things at big times in games. They don't use common sense. So I think it's a microcosm of a bigger issue, but that's the way I feel. I want you to be consistent. If they had called a couple of them throughout the game. Okay. Cause if you're a defensive back, especially in the NFL now, the first part of the game, you're seeing what you can get away with. I'm going to see if I can do a tug here. I'm going to see if I can put my arm around here. Okay. They're not calling it. That's how I can play in this game. But then you just decide at the end, no, I'm calling it right now. I decided now we're going to call this. It was a penalty. Yes. By letter of the law, it was a penalty, but be consistent with what you've done in the whole game. That's, that's where I was with it. And I hated to see a game that was that great. end that way. So I'll respond to this real quick, Brian. Sorry. Um, do you guys not remember last year what happened at the end of that game and the officiating at the end? It's funny because everybody was so outraged about the Chiefs this year winning and and the game and all that stuff and, and because it was an offensive game. There were three penalties called in the red zone against the Bengals last year. I remember. At the, at the end of the Super Bowl. And at least two of them were questionable. The first one and I believe the third one were questionable. And everybody's acting like the, the NFL hasn't done this before, right? I'm not saying that there's a precedent that's a that's a correct precedent, but the officials have been bad for a while. Like it's not a it's not a this year thing, right? And and the thought that that this is something new and oh my god, they're deciding the game, like bro, this is okay. Number one, Bosa was held all game <laughs> last year. But it, last but year the point is it's coming to a head. I think people have finally it is, it is. You know, I'm, I'm agreeing where, with you. I'm agreeing are. with you. Yeah, yeah, no, I'm agreeing with you. So, so what I'm saying is that like it's, it's happening every single year, right? So my whole thing is like if it's happening every single year, like I, I'm okay with the call. Like I, I would have been fine if they didn't call it. To be honest, I was like, okay, whatever. Like this is the Super Bowl, right? I'm okay either way. Do I think it was a penalty? Yeah. Do I think it was the right call? Yeah. Do I think he should have called it? I mean, they they threw it. I'm not going to argue with that. Would I have liked that they didn't throw it? I mean, sure, let them play. But I mean, at the same time. The, the Super Bowl has always been officiated differently than every single game. And I hate that. I hate that. And the playoffs as well. Like, so the playoffs, they, they let more go. And the Super Bowl, they let everything go until they decide to throw a flag. And I hate that because I wish that they would officiate with the same consistency all the way through. And different crews have different different sort of uh, trends with, with what they throw, with the flags that they throw. But all of a sudden, like... You're, you're calling stuff that you weren't calling all game in the Super Bowl. You're not calling stuff that you were calling all season in the, in, in the NFL, the regular season. And it's just, there's no consistency. There's no, there's no way to judge. And that's why I hate it when the Niners make the Super Bowl. And, and it's not like a, it's not like a surefire win because it's like, okay, well, the officiating is going to have a factor in this. And if you don't have a team that's good enough to pull away to account for officiating, that's really a toss up. But I think that in the, at the end of the day, Al, I think, the NFL wants that. They like that because what it does is it adds that element of unknown to a game, right? It can equalize a game that may otherwise be a mismatch. And I think that's what they want. They want a good game. NFL doesn't care about who wins or who loses. I mean, sometimes they do maybe, but like they care about parody and they care about having a good game and, and selling beer and selling ads and things like that. And if it's a, if it's a, like the, the Niners played Denver in 89, if it's a 55 to 10 game, ain't nobody going to watch that. Nobody's going to stick around for the end of that. People are going to shut it off. So it's a way of for the NFL to control games that that really goes under the radar, and they kind of just dismiss. And I don't agree with it, but it, it is what it is at this point. We know that the officiating is terrible. And when you go there, have a team that's good enough to, to overcome the officiating, that's all you can do. Well, and I, I was going to kind of say the same along the same line, saying, you know, the reality is this. There are simple solutions to fix this officiating fiasco that we've seen in the NFL over the past 
five years or so. Very simple solution. Just like soccer, you have a ref that's an eye in the sky, right? And they are essentially overseeing both the penalties called and those missed, right? And to me, with simple solutions, if there are simple solutions, and the league has still chosen not to implement them, to me, that tells me that the league wants the officiating to be as shitty as it is, or at the very least are okay with it being that way. And Roger Goodell is, is, is just trying to gaslight all of us, right? When he says, I think it's been the best it's ever been. We're not idiots. Like, well, the majority of us, or maybe not the majority, but regardless, those of us that can watch with our eyes, we can see the officiating has been awful, god-awful. You cannot piss on me and tell me that it's raining, and that's what he's trying to do. So to me, if the league knows that the officiating is bad, and there's no way that they don't, there's no way that they don't. If the league knows and they still choose not to do anything about it, that means that that it's okay to them, right? It's like um, uh, Herm Edwards said, you're either coaching it or allowing it to happen, right? Mm-hmm. So they're either telling them, hey, this is how we want things to go, or you're just being complicit by allowing it to happen. And that's what the NFL is doing. And so... You know, I, I think you're right, Zane. Uh, you know, I'm not a conspiracy theorist. I don't believe that, you know, the NFL, you know, the, the big thing right now is the script, right? Oh, you got the script. You forgot to read the script. Like the script said, you know, whatever. I don't believe that. But what I do believe is that the NFL has no problem with officiating being a factor in these games, which is ridiculous, right? They should never be they should never insert themselves into a game mm-hmm. and they insert themselves into every goddamn game there is regardless of the situation, but especially in the playoffs and the Super Bowl. So, I mean, as fans, you either a show your displeasure by not giving them your attention, not giving them your dollars or B you, you just got to let it go because they're not doing anything about it. They're not, yeah. it's not going to change. The NFL has already showed us that. So you got to either just go into every game going, you know what? The refs are going to, you know, the refs are going to do whatever the refs are going to do. It's going to hurt my team. It's probably going to hurt their team. It is what it is. Or, you know, you can just gnash your teeth and and scream at your TV every Sunday, but it's not going to change. And the NFL has told us that simply by their inaction. So that's where I'm at. 100%. 100%. And I just hope it, I don't know. I hope it gets better. I, it probably won't, but I, I hope it does. We're done, people. Thank you. <laughs> Subscribe. Bye. See you. Later. Nine, zero, three. One, two, three. Nine, Sports is an Odyssey company. 